Diane. And this is Rachel. Welcome to What the Finance. We're so glad you're here. So I feel like I have to take some ownership here at the top of the episode <laughs> to our for our audience members. If it if Cheyenne and I seem like we've done a bunch of this before, it's because we have. We have previously recorded this episode and I lost the file. So now you get Create Your Ideal Economy 2.0. Yes. Which maybe is for the better. It may be. And it turns out that creating an economy is really challenging. And maybe you should have more than one go at it. It's true. Uh, <laughs> also, the last time that we had this conversation, we were slightly less than sober. Yeah. And so maybe the second time we have, like, we revisit the conversation, it does make sense that we'd be slightly more sober. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do have a, an adult beverage here by me, but I just took the first sip seconds ago before hmm. that. Well, hydrated, lots of healthy food. <laughs> You're probably going to do Hopefully this episode will be better for you and for us. Yes. Um, uh, weeks ago, we were charged um, in our six month anniversary episode with our spouses to record this episode to create an ideal economy mm -hmm. and then it was pretty much just left up to us <laughs> what we wanted to do which was both I think a, a fantastic idea and then um at the same time I think the person that that charged us with that might like might have some regrets considering the last time that we did this it it was a four-hour conversation yes <laughs> turns out you ask a couple of finance nerds to create their ideal economy <laughs> a conversation that can last a while it's true um, and so diving in with the other piece that made it take a while we both really like star trek mm -hmm. like a lot and so i'm just gonna open by saying that uh, my ideal economy is, first of all, one in a society where replicators exist. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I say that is because, first, I imagine this as replicators that have unfettered access to them. So you have a device in your life, easily accessible, that can give you all of the things that you need to survive. Um, so it's kind of built on that, that idea that the a replicator, as we see in the Star Trek universe, as a public good, mm -hmm. kind of is just a foundational thing. <laughs> um, okay, so I agree. I think that replicators would be like, those would be perfect. And obviously, like equal access to said replicators for everybody. That would be just stellar. Yeah. And well, part of me, like, of course, this is an episode where we want to create our ideal and somebody's going to be listening to this and go, yeah, whatever. That's not going to happen. My idea of fun and light reading is to read Trekonomics, which is a real book. And the author of that book has actually reported that they're working on that technology at MIT, right? Because we have the foundation in 3D printers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So also to my optimistic mind, 
it doesn't seem impossible that in my lifetime, like a basic replicator could be a thing. Yeah. So anyway, so there's that little nugget mm-hmm. too that I just get excited about as somebody who's a huge nerd. <laughs> yeah, I did actually add that book to my to read list. Not that I spend a lot of time reading, but it's it's coming up there on like next on the list because I am very interested in that. And I think that it's, you know, we, we started this by saying, obviously that we were, we were tasked with creating our ideal economy. And for those listening who are not familiar with Star Trek or its economy, they may be thinking to themselves, Rachel and Cheyenne, you did not create your economy. You're talking about it. You're, you're copying one, which is technically true. However, there is some method to this madness here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Star Trek economy is one in that we both feel str- pretty strongly would work. And there's no point in reinventing the wheel or on the flip side, trying to talk about it as though somebody hasn't already had and written extensively about the idea and trying to pass it off as their own. So, right. Um, also, neither one of us are economists. That is so true. There's some benefit in building on a foundation that was laid by people way smarter than you. Yes, there is that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I guess going back to Star Trek, the other the economics in Star Trek is really interesting to me because, right, in like all these production manuals or whatever, it says that there's no money in the Federation, but that's not exactly true, right? I mean, like the, there are species within the Federation that deal in money, right? And I'm talking about like the Ferengi specifically, the Federation members and a lot of planets internally have their own currency, Mm -hmm. right? Like the Klingons aren't just killing themselves for honor all over the place. Kronos does actually (laughs) have its own currency. What's interesting to me is how, I mean, just that generally, maybe in like your uh, interspecies dealings, you're not dealing in money, Mm -hmm. maybe necessarily. But also, what are you doing to earn the money if it's needed? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you're free because of replicators, you're free to do things that you are excited about and not have to worry about your basic needs being met. Right. Which, arguably is the most ideal setup that there would be because if you have people who are doing something because they love it and not because they're just going to make a boatload of money doing it your population is going to be happier happier people are healthier healthier people interact better with those around them like there's there's all sorts of stuff that like would benefit from that that type of system and it is kind of interesting, especially as I've, I've thought about this now, now twice in the last couple of weeks, <laughs> something that has kind of come to my mind is that even with this, this system that they created, which was thought to be like the perfect system, there is poverty within the system still, and there shouldn't be, yet somehow it did happen. <laughs> and I do try to think of that. Well, uh, and I, I think, sorry, go ahead. I think specifically of like Deep Space Nine and the Ferengi. They are, there are definitely examples of poverty within that, like those episodes. And it's, 
Deep Space is Nine is kind of a terrible example, though, because they are more money focused than any of the other series. Voyager, for instance, focuses significantly less on the money money aspect of it and focuses more on the contribution that you are capable of making. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, that makes a, a huge difference in just even like the, the small societies that are involved in that. Right. Well, and if you even, Voyager, I think is such a fantastic example of an economy that is attainable to us in the 21st century, because right, they're basically trading their way through the Delta Quadrant, right? Like what technology do we have that would help your people? And what technology do you have that's going to help us to get back home? Right. 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 Like, and then they're, I mean, and it's from season one, right? Like really basic stuff. Like, I'm sorry, I keep coming back to replicators. It's because I think they're awesome. Um, (laughs) Oh, you're short on water? Well, here, here's a replicator. Now, can you give us Kess back, please? Right. Oh, you mean water is not going to be a problem for us anymore? Okay, well, yeah, you can have Kess back. Right. Right. <laughs> but that's the whole series. I mean, yes. Basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. And I, I agree that Voyager is probably the best example of it because of just that. They use that barter system for goods and services as opposed to straight currency like they're not getting to this place and saying like oh we have this federation currency we would like to exchange it for your local currency and then pay you for the thing that we need from you they're like well we have a replicator or we have people who can help solve this problem like we can brainstorm solve this problem and then in return you could help us out but i also i feel like in that there are there are many instances in which they don't hold their, they don't hold their technology or their, their information back solely in exchange for whatever it is they need. If it's a basic necessity, it's something that they're willing to provide, even if they're not going to get anything in exchange. Right. Right. And I, um, is awesome. she is awesome. And Manu Sadia actually talks about this a little bit in Treconomics, that one of the benefits of working in the Federation is the reputation that it earns you. And Voyager is like a prime example of that, right? They're traveling through the Delta Quadrant. Maybe they didn't get anything, but then people in the Delta Quadrant know, hey, those Federation guys, they're okay. We're gonna help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so reputation counts for a lot mm-hmm. in a Federation economy. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the other times that we see poverty, like in the Star Trek universe, it's because of like lingering creations that we have in the 21st century. Um, now, I don't think that you have watched Star Trek Picard yet. Is that correct? Correct. I have not. Okay. So I guess this is a spoiler. And I'm sorry <laughs> that, but okay. <laughs> um, so the character Rocky, um, she's a polarizing figure in the Star Trek fan community. I love her. I think she is amazing. Um, But when we meet her early in season one of Star Trek Picard, it's pretty obvious that she's living in poverty, right? She lives in a trailer out in Vasquez Rocks. And here's a fun fact. The only time that Vasquez Rocks has actually appeared as Vasquez Rocks in its many appearances over (laughs) the Star Trek franchise, she doesn't have much. And she talks about that. And she even kind of comes down pretty hard on Picard 
guess not to give too many spoilers, but they did a mission that went real south real fast and they both lost everything. That's kind of what the whole series is based on. But Jean-Luc lost everything and he still got to go home to his family chateau and continue to be known as a celebrated winemaker. When she lost everything, she lost everything. And it was not lost on me that not only is she a woman, she's a black woman. I don't know if they were, the writers were thinking about that when they were a character, but those are the times too, right? Where we do see poverty in Star Trek. It's because of sexism, that sexism piece, we see it with the Ferengi too, right? Women aren't allowed to do anything. (laughs) Or it's because of racism. Right. And I would hope by the time we make it to the 24th century, that's basically gone, but now it's not. Right. And that, that poverty piece, I was going to mention the, the sexism, but more so the racism. Outside of kind of what we've already talked about, um, and just the idea that people should be able to work on things that they are excited about. Like podcasts. If you've been thinking of starting one, you should do it because it's yeah. fun. It is fun. (laughs) You need to give people access to the things that they need. And while from a a technological solution, replicators are awesome. And maybe a slightly less pie in the sky way to go about that while we're still developing the technology would be something like universal basic income. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe that there is a country out there that already does that. I want to say it's Finland. Could possibly be Iceland. I I think think it might. I think it's Finland. Kind of does that. I believe they were doing an experiment. And I'm just pulling it. Just did a quick Google on it. But yeah, they did like a two-year experiment to see if that would improve employment and well-being. So, and here's the, like right when it started, I was start, I was beginning to work on my master's degree. And so I did like a paper on it, but it turns out that a master's degree is a lot of work. And so I haven't revisited it for a while, but here's kind of a funny thing to me, right? Like Finland is really well-known, or actually really all the Scandinavian countries are well-known for the incredible social benefits that the government provides to its citizens right, and healthcare and subsidized childcare, um, free education up to the graduate level, right, like a lot of things like that. Mm -hmm. They're wildly popular, and why wouldn't they be? I think those things sound awesome, but much like the rest of the world, a right-wing kind of populist-leaning government uh, was voted in in Finland, and universal basic income was the government's way of kind of reducing social programs, like the number of them, without reducing the dollar amount. So they weren't as expensive to administer. And it was an experiment to see if people could, if people would continue to work, even if they got these benefits. Um, Much like in the United States, in Finland, a lot of the benefits that you get being unemployed, then get scaled back when you become employed. And so it basically isn't incentivizes people to not work. And what they found was that people who got that universal basic income 
worked more than people who just got like regular unemployment benefits. Mm-hmm. It seems like it worked. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. Um, that is definitely something that I would like, like as we're talking about, you know, creating our own economy. Right. Basic income is definitely something that I, I would want to see. And with that free education, Mm-hmm. like across the board, absolutely free. I don't care if what you want to do with your entire life is go to school, free education, because it, it only benefits a society to have people who are educated and are, are able to obtain the education that they are interested in without barriers. Right. Exactly. I do like that our government or members of our government, you know, so representatives that we have voted into the positions that they are in are actually starting to listen to some of their constituents, (laughs) millennials, and consider, and consider the student loan forgiveness. This is not a new thing. COVID is just, COVID, COVID is just a catalyst right now. This is not a new conversation. This is a conversation that's been happening for years. Mm-hmm. And one of the arguments that I hear about that is, well, I had to pay for my student loans. So blah, blah, blah. If that is your belief, I understand your frustration. However, just because you had it difficult does not mean that you should want it to be difficult or continue to be difficult for other people. Mm-hmm. Millennials specifically are in a very interesting situation in which education has never cost more than it does currently. And we were going to college in a time in which we were told you cannot do anything in life without a four-year degree, at least. Yeah, basically. Like thinking through it too, there are even people that I know, or that I knew of, I guess I should say in high school. um, If we ever had like an assignment, right? What do you want to major in when you go to college? I think probably many of us have had mm-hmm. some kind of an assignment like that. Folks who have indicated they didn't actually want to go to a university would lose points on the assignment. So not only are you informally being like, what are, what are you going to do at the university? Are you getting a graduate degree? You know, like blah, 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 whatever. And also getting punished if you say, I don't actually think that that's for me. So that's the thing that mm-hmm. needs to change. And I think that it is, but yeah, I agree. Yep. I absolutely agree. <laughs> I also say, honestly, I think that that is something that's changing significantly faster than it would have th- thanks to COVID because COVID has made people realize that our frontline workers are extremely important. Mm-hmm. COVID made people realize that those people who stock our shelves and work in restaurants and fast food were very much so taken for granted previously, but are incredibly essential to our, our society. Yeah. I think that there is a new appreciation for that and people who work in trades, because again, everybody throughout COVID was like, man, I should remodel my house or I should do such and such. And it was, there's a shortage of trades workers. And obviously we know we have a shortage of skilled medical professionals. That's, I mean, it's, that's been a problem for a long time. 
yeah, I don't, it's nothing new unless you didn't know. Right. <laughs> it's the only way I know how to say that. Education of the types that is interesting to you should be freely available to you. Absolutely. Yeah, the education piece being available to people is, I, I think would be enough of a game changer that we would start to see a shift in just the way that our 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 economic structure is currently set up. Mm -hmm. If we had people, and this is something like, for all we know, there is a person who has lived or currently living that could cure, that could cure acne. There we'll go. We'll go with that one. <laughs> acne is not super serious. There's, there's no winning here. I can't. Mm -mm. I mean, it's not cancer. So the point that I was trying to make is that we could absolutely have had, or someone who is living has the ability to make some huge breakthrough either medically or some engineering feat or something like that, but they weren't able to obtain that education and spread that information for it to become a reality. Right. I think when you make that point, then you're also bringing in reproductive rights into your ideal economy, mm -hmm. right? Because I hear that argument all the time from pro-life people, but that person that is born has to have the same opportunities mm -hmm. as everybody else. And right now that's not the right. society that we live in. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. It's definitely tough because unfortunately the system that we have created currently, the people that it benefits are never going to support changing that system. And I'm talking like the top 1%. They're never going to fully support all of these ideas that we know would change opportunities for so many people and would give more money to people who deserve it. I mean, like you deserve a living wage, whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. But the people, like I said, the people on the top 1%, they're never going to do that. They, they know that because right now it's a way to control a population. <laughs> they don't, right. Right. You know, they don't have enough money to survive and they're working three jobs. It's a lot harder to fight the system than if they've got all of the money that they need after 40 hours a week and they have way too much free time to be like, you know what? The system is fucked. <laughs> Basically. Basically. I feel like the other piece of that too is that if you if you do actually look at like the 1%, none of them would admit to being racist or sexist. But the wages that employees at their companies make, the money that they are spending tells you that they are both racist and sexist. And it's working out great for them. So why wouldn't you keep it up unless somebody right. was making you? <laughs> right, right. And I know, I know if this makes the cut, I know somebody out there is going to be like, well, they're not racist, but blah, 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 below them is racist or sexist. And here's the thing. They are just as racist and sexist 
if they are keeping somebody in a position in which they're knowingly not hiring people of color or women or paying them the same as their white male counterparts. If they know about this and they're not doing shit about it, and I'll tell you right now, they know about it because the entire world knows about it. Mm-hmm. They haven't changed it. They don't give a shit. Yep. And I, we talked about this the first time that we recorded this episode, but it's always, it's still interesting to me. And so I think it's worth bringing it up again. In the early 1900s, we were talking about um, Rockefeller and Carnegie, which at that point, the wealthiest people that had ever lived, or the wealthiest non-royal people who had ever lived. There we go. <laughs> and now I don't remember which one I should have looked it up before we sat down to record this. The financial advisor for one of them was encouraging was encouraging him to engage in philanthropy, a lot of it, specifically saying, if you don't, you and your descendants will be crushed by your wealth. And so between these two guys, it was basically a philanthropy pissing contest. Mm-hmm. One of the worst kinds of pissing contests, I guess. Um, <laughs> thanks for the libraries. Um, Mm-hmm. you know on pbs why not yeah <laughs> you love me some daniel tiger i think that what the one percent today need to turn that pissing contest into are livable wages for their employees and then do the philanthropy after that yeah i so you know things we've we've determined in creating our own economy uh, basic, like base wage for, for all, for everybody, mm-hmm. accessible education. I think Every- the last thing for me then would be like, hmm? Oh, I was just gonna say reproductive rights. It's kind of like a third. Oh yeah. Pillar to that. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think then like as a, Assuming that this economy is the government's responsibility, which I, I, I feel like we've been kind of basing it off of that assumption, then making sure that there are decent housing options for everybody. Housing is huge. Turns out if you're worried about your housing, you may not be the best employee or student. Weird. But true. Yeah. So if you've made it to the end of the episode, thank you for bearing yes. with us. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And we hope that you had just as much fun listening to this as we had talking about it. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the Finance. You can subscribe everywhere you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also email us at what underscore the underscore finance at protonmail.com. Visit us on Facebook at What the Finance. Follow us on Instagram at What the Finance. Check us out on Pinterest at What the Finance or tweet us at finance underscore what.